Culture Map presents What's Eric Eating? From the Gal Media Studios in Houston, Texas, here's Culture Map food editor Eric Sandler. Welcome to What's Eric Eating? Culture Map's weekly look at all things Houston bars and restaurants. I'm your host, Culture Map food editor Eric Sandler. We are still recording this over Skype to promote social distancing. I have Sean Beck from H-Town Restaurant Group coming up in a little bit. But first, I'm joined by my co-host this week. She's a beverage consultant who has created cocktail programs at restaurants all over the city of Houston. Linda Salinas, welcome back to the show. How are you? Oh, you know, just living my best life. <laughs> well, considering, good to start, considering, right? <laughs> considering the circumstances, yeah. yeah. I, I, how are you now is is phrased in like it, in the implied how are you in light of the current circumstances? I mean, honestly, I'm grateful. Um, I'm grateful to see the city like take care of its own. I know that there's a, there's a lot of groups and so on and so forth. There's a lot, there's a lot of like outreach to, um, to my industry, which is hospitality, you know, like I'm, I'm safe, um, all as well. So yeah. Right, right. I mean, I feel like I'm I'm healthy and I have a job and a place to live, and that puts me ahead of a whole lot of people who are really struggling right now. So, yeah, so I feel I, very fortunate, and I I have just a ton of of sympathy and and you know my thoughts, and I know your thoughts are with all the people we know that are that are not working right now. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I'm 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 the Texas market manager for Liquid Alchemist, which is a syrups company based out of L.A. and Thankfully, I, I, I'm gainfully employed and I'm still doing my job, you know, and I'm, I'm obviously right now, everything's on hold as far as like what, what we do on the, on the back end of things. But, um, I think that the best thing that we can do is, uh, is if you do have a job support, you know, and, and, uh, and there's other things and not just, not just financially, there's other, there's other ways, you know, I think, um, this is a really good time for all of us to kind of like reach out to who's close to us, you know? And for me, it's, it's my hospitality friends, you know? Well, yeah, let me, let me dive into the news of the week because that, that is topic. Number one is kind of, what are you seeing out there? You know, restaurants are serving meals to go, but bars are completely shut down. So, so what are some of the things you're seeing out there for bars and bartenders specifically that they're doing to kind of weather this, uh, this crisis? You know, it's interesting. There's a couple of different people there's a couple of different bartenders that are actually doing, um, basically like, let me get, let me, let me, uh, show me your bar and let me send you some recipes and you can tip me on that, you know? So if you're, if you're engaged to, you know, or if you're, if you're engaging in, on social media with some of your favorite bartenders, some people are doing that. Um, cotton mouth club is a bar by, uh, Michael Neff and Mike Raymond. Mike Raymond was of, uh, reserve one Oh one awesome whiskey bar. They opened up cotton mouth and Mike Neff has done a ton of incredible consulting all over the, all over the States, but they do this really cool show every night at 9 PM and they do a, a podcast. So they're engaging their, their, um, their clientele, there's different brands that are doing, doing contests and paying out cash. There's a lot of like really cool stuff that's, that's happening social media wise. I mean, we all have time. I'm sure everyone that has an iPhone has looked at their screen time. 
you know, right now, but, uh, no, no, you don't No, You don't need that kind of shame in your life. This is not the time <laughs> to be looking at the screen time app. You just yeah. put that way. Yeah. But I mean, a lot of that, you know, there, there's, there's cool stuff like that, um, that I'm seeing. And, um, I know that butcher's ball is doing cocktail kits and bars are not open. And like, for instance, Alba Huerta from Julep is doing the mixers for your cocktail needs. Picos is doing little to goes, uh, really cool margarita kits. Um, there's well, uh, you're working with Rosewater, right? I mean, they're doing yes, uh, yes. juices and mixers to go. Yes, actually, uh, in Clear Lake, there's a really fantastic cocktail bar, uh, Rosewater, and those guys are just doing their mixes, they're doing like these beautiful elixirs and they're using some of our syrups, and it's really funny because. You know, they're used to having a little tiny bar. And because of that community out there, they literally, I think it's something close to like a thousand cocktail kits or something or 800 cocktail kits, like incredible. So um, definitely reach out to your neighborhood bar, your dive bar. Someone's, someone's, you know, cooking some things, you know. All right. So uh, you mentioned, you mentioned bartenders are doing... Like they'll evaluate your bar and suggest recipes and stuff for tips. You, you want to shout out like one or two people that are doing that? You know, there's just too many. So I don't want to, I don't want to sound, uh, I don't want to, I don't want to be too biased. There's too, there's too many people, but like, just, uh, look for your, look for your favorite bartender, you know? Um, yeah. they've got time they, they will help. Yes, 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 absolutely. All right. And then uh, let's move on to topic number two. Uh, another organization that you've been involved in, I'll have what she's having. Yes, been the uh, has been hosting a whole bunch of online classes with culinary professionals. I I sat in on a Zoom cooking class with Don Burrell from Culture, June Rodill and Shannon McCracken from Goodnight Hospitality did like a little wine and cheese class, and then I saw coming up this weekend Tiki Cocktails and Caribbean Bites with Sarah Troxel from Nobies and the Toasted Coconut and Keisha Griggs who has Eight Kitchen in Palton Row. So what do you what do you think? Have you uh, have you seen any of these? What do you what do you think about them? I think they're awesome. Um, I think you know they're basically master classes, you know, and that started. I mean, I started seeing that just a couple of months ago, like social media wise, like really high up master classes. It's basically like you know these really good tutorial classes and uh, by professionals. And I love I love love the fact that they are doing local. Um, I think, I mean, honestly, I think that it's, it's just a, this is a great time to like really, really work your, you know, work your magic. I mean, I love Sarah Troxel. She's a young, she's a, a, a great up and coming bartender and to watch her, you know, um, on a couple of different uh, mediums. Like she's, uh, she actually jumped on our live, our live feed, which the company I work for is Liquid Alchemist, obviously, but she jumped on the live feed and like we, and we had people from San Francisco, Tiki cocktail makers and, you know, a couple of other people from across the country that jump on our feed and to watch like our Sarah Troxel do this awesome, you know, coconut cocktail is, uh, is really fantastic. And so, you know, supporting local. Um, and I mean, I'll have what she's having as a, as a, as a woman's organization. I think it's awesome. You know? Yeah, no, I, I was, I got to sit in on the, on Dawn's cooking class, she's been on the show a couple of times. So I listeners who who've been with the show for a while know how engaging she is mm-hmm. and that it comes with a meal kit, right? You pay, you know, $75 or whatever it costs and you get 
you get all the ingredients to cook along with the class. And she made this onion soubise, this sauce that people heated up. And then sort of as they were heating it up, they, you know, all of these comments about, oh, my God, this smells incredible. You know, and she's showing them how to, you know, roast a chicken and sear it and and make gnocchi and, and all this stuff. And it's, you know, it's a really, I mean, she's a really engaging person and obviously super talented, a James Beard semifinalist this year for her work at Culture. And so it, it is, I think it's just a phenomenal opportunity to get access to, you know, instruction from, share knowledge with people that you know, usually are just too busy working to kind of share that stuff. Yeah, absolutely. No, I mean, I think that, uh, I think that we're, we're, we're seeing, uh, we're seeing a shift. Uh, I think, you know, I was talking to someone the other day, we're shifting the way that we do service, you know, and ultimately, ultimately like as a hospitality professional, it's just a, you know, like what we do is to make you feel special, you know, and even though we can't, we can't pull a chair for you or give you a glass of water while you're looking at the menu. Like, I think this is a time to like really engage, you know, cause that's really what we're good at. We're good at making you feel comfortable. We're really good at knowing what you need, you know? And I think that these classes are an awesome way to still, you know, be safe at home doing your thing and like seeing how soothing cooking or making a cocktail or having these experiences at home right now. So I think it's rad. Yeah. All right. And then topic number three, last week, Felice and I talked about how HEB is doing restaurant takeaway meals from Underbelly Hospitality, Cherry Block, and Brennan's. That program is expanding. They added Cultivare this week. They have plans to add, it's not been, it's not been totally finalized yet, but they have plans to add both Kieran's and Hugo's to that. And then I guess Kroger saw it and got jealous because now Kroger has Kim San, Burns Original Barbecue, Peli Peli, and Frenchies at some of their locations. Yeah, they're doing they're doing like pop-ups in front of their grocery stores. Is that not correct? Uh yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. yeah so it's yeah. it's like limited days and limited hours, but it's they they keep adding stores and locations. Or, yeah. Or, well, they're, they're, I think that those are two totally, not two totally different, but I think that they're, those are two different experiences um, sure, altogether, sure. obviously, because driving up and pulling up and, you know, and, and getting food, like basically like a drive-through is, I think that's what Kroger's doing. But I think it's, I think it's great to support. I mean, obviously there's a part of me that thinks that, that you know, oh, this is great, but like, and it is, it's absolutely, it's an incredible program. But like, I think it's scary to be out right now, you know? And I think that kind of soothing, hey, look, I can just take this home. You know, you can pick it up in a cold box. And this support for, for locals, I think, uh, is, is great. I also have seen that an interesting article this week was uh, order, from your, order from your restaurants. You know, order directly. Don't order from these delivery apps. And so I think that this is a way to kind of you know, still support your, your, your local, uh, your local restaurant and, and giving them a, giving them a, a, a great platform right now. So. Right. Yeah, no, no, I, I agree with you. And I, so let me just, let me just ask you one thing though. Do you think this is a trend that will continue when people can sit in dining rooms again? Or do you think this is kind of like one and done in terms of only during this 
time when dining rooms are closed. Because I have to say, I, I kind of like how convenient this is. I kind of like the idea of being able to go into an HEB, get my, you know, Wagyu helper from Underbelly, heat that up at home. I kind of hope this continues. I really, I mean, I really do too. Uh, Houston Shift Meals has a bunch of takeout meals from Cherry Block. And I mean, they're incredible. Like being able to have that, that little bit of exp- experience, you know, at the grocery store. Cause like, look, not everybody knows how to cook, you know, and True story. Of, yeah. And a lot of people, I mean, a lot of people don't know how to cook. Um, that's why, you know, we're the greatest restaurant city in I think, you know, in the South, you know, and, uh, but like, I've seen a lot of really bad videos of people cooking and if we can help, help these these people with wonderful meals at a grocery store, why not? You know, why not? So, <laughs> yeah, I've seen Absolutely. Some, yeah, I've seen some pretty bad videos out there, but you know, <laughs> I'm not going to call anybody out today. Not today. Maybe, maybe next time you're on the show. Maybe next time, you know, maybe we'll, we'll have to, we'll have to do that when we'll everything to- chill, chills out. That's right. The post coronavirus call out episode. Yes. <laughs> All right. Cool. Linda, that does it for the news of the week. We will be right back with our restaurants of the week. Stick around. You're listening to What's Eric Eating? So, Linda, for the restaurants of the week segment, what I've been doing is just kind of asking people where they've been getting to go meals from. So, where have you been getting to go meals from? Um, I've been ordering from a bunch of different people but uh al fresco fresh pasta you know my beloved Polly's. my beloved Polly's absolutely i've i've uh i've ordered several things from them um i love the fact that they do specials still and you know you know i'm about that osobuco life thursday nights yeah i did that i did that a couple of weeks ago yeah praise emoji for that uh burger chan they're doing breakfast sandwiches. Hugo's, they're doing breakfast tacos. Uh, Brazil has got rad pizzas and froze that I've ordered from them. Uh, wait, wait, like you're you're too modest. You created that froze recipe for that. I certainly did. Okay. I I, cre- I created the froze at Brazil. Um, they Shout do- out to Chef AJ. Yeah, Chef AJ, of course. Let's see who else I've, Oh, I've ordered from LaGrange, uh, Nymphas for sure. So basically everywhere that you've worked in the last five years, you've, yes. you've been, yes. <laughs> I mean, I, I, yeah, Plus I mean, I, and Burger well, I mean, I got to support, I have to support fam, you know, yeah. like these are, these are people that are near and dear to me. So if I can like order from them, you know, um, I also, where else have I? I mean, I did sneak in. Don't tell anybody, but I did sneak in some Shake Shack a couple and a couple of weeks ago. So, um, you know, I have been I have been firmly committed to only locally owned restaurants. I have not gone to any fast food chains since this whole thing started. I, I yeah. think so. It's been what like five or six, five weeks already. Yeah. Uh, I think when I slip as I inevitably will, it's either going to be at Whataburger or Shake Shack. I just, but it's going to be, it's going to be like that. I'm just going to want that burger. And I, and I know like I should go to the burger joint. I should go to Bernie's. I should, I mean, there's a million places. I should go to Burger Chan, 
but it's going to be a fast food burger when I when I finally slip, or or it's going to be a French dip sandwich from Houston. It's one or the other, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, you know what? Who else? Uh, Rudyard's. Oh yeah, yeah, Chef Anthony. What did you get from Rudyard's? Um, I ended up getting a Detroit style pizza, and okay. I'm not. You know me. I'm real finicky about stuff, and I'm all the way. Neapolitana style like that's my that's my jam I like it skinny and crispy but he made me this breakfast I'm a breakfast pizza fan by the way but he did this Detroit style pizza and he put lardons tons of cheese blueberry compote and so much cheese I I could drown in it it was outstanding and a breakfast pizza so eggs I guess no eggs. It was just the bacon. The bacon and the... Oh, the, right, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Bacon and cheese. Bacon and cheese and blueberries. So salty. Yes. So salty, smoky, sweet. Yes, clean. Pretty solid. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, they're... Um, um, they're I've, I've, I've ordered a couple of different things from them, too. So, yeah, man. I just... There's people who are cranking out some really good... Some really, really good food. Well, yeah. So, so I got... I got lured in uh, Saturday night by Squabble because uh, Drew Gimma, the the baker there, was doing chocolate babka, which is near and dear to my Jewish heart. So I had to had to go up to Squabble. I got some pasta. I got a kale salad. But but really, it was just it was just an excuse to buy babka. And then for Easter, uh, Avondale Food and Wine was doing prime rib, and I've had Chef Olivier's prime rib before. This came. I, I got a, a pretty hearty uh, portion of meat. And of course, you know, their owner, Mary Clarkson, is a, a regular guest on the show. So I think I'm, I don't know if everybody got the same portion that I did, but, but I, got, I got a ton of prime rib with uh, these really nice roasted carrots and, and potatoes with it that were good. And, and then a, a fresh green salad and this incredible chocolate tart that was really first rate. It's like, oh, yeah, he's a, it's like, oh, yeah, Olivier is a French chef. He makes really good desserts. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Dadari at Roost was slinging some red beans and rice. So I had to. Had to get in on that last week too. So those were those were a couple of the places I ordered from. Yeah, you know what I haven't you know what I haven't tried yet, and I'd really love for someone to drop me a DM and tell me about how it was. I know it's good though. Justin, you is doing Money Cat. Is that correct? Yes. I every week I say I'm going to go to Money. Every week on this show, I say I'm going to go to Money Cat. And every week I come up short, but I, I went to squabble, which is another of Justin's restaurants. So I feel like, um, I have somewhat fulfilled my, my obligation, but yes, I look at that money cap menu every week and I, it just looks so good. I really need to, this, this is the week. I'm no more, no more effing around. I'm, I'm going to make it happen. Yeah. Come on now. Come on. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that, uh, there's just a lot of really, a lot, there's a lot of really great, great food coming out. Um, oh, you know what? Crawfish Phoenix. I got oh yeah, very nice. Phoenix. I got crawfish from Phoenix on Saturday, and they're uh, they were delicious. I'm gonna get some crawfish today from Crosby Crawfish Shack. Uh, wow, look today. at you taking a road trip. I mean, it's right now is the perfect time to do crawfish, like right now. And I'm so sad that I can't really eat crawfish with anyone. So I'm just gonna go out there, pick up some crawfish, sit on my patio, crack one. And go to town. So yeah, I will tell you when I was driving around Saturday night, I you know from my house in Montrose up to up to Squabble, I kind of took the long way home, wound my way through the heights a little bit. I drove past BB's Cafe, 
and their parking lot was full of people getting to go orders, which I assume, you know, I, I figure like 80, 90% of that was all crawfish to go. It must've been. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's like, what else do I have to do tonight? Oh wait, I'm going to go home and like develop more cocktails or I don't know, organize my cookbooks. I'm like, I might as well just drive to Crosby and get the best dang crawfish in Texas. <laughs> All right, Linda, thank you very much for doing this. All right. Thanks a lot, y'all. All right. I will be right back with Sean Beck. Stick around. You're listening to What's Eric Eating? I am joined this week by Sean Beck. He is the beverage director for the H-Town Restaurant Group. That is Hugo's Backstreet Cafe, Sochi, Caracol, and more. Sean, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm well, sir. Well, as well as can be under the present circumstances, but uh, thank you for having me on. Thanks for joining me. I want to talk about the things that you're doing specifically in response to coronavirus, but I, I do always like to start these interviews at the beginning. So can you just tell me a little bit about how you developed an interest in, in wine and kind of how you came to work for Tracy Vaught and Hugo Ortega? Sure. Uh, I'm a pretty much a lifer. I've been uh, with the restaurant for a uh, 20 years. So I started working with them when I was in college and I uh, uh, was going to the honors college at U of H and I had a friend working over and he told me to kind of try it over here. And so I'd uh, prior to that been working at like a microbrewery slash restaurant and a brief uh, sojourn for the Papa's group. And I was like, oh, okay, well, that seems nice. It's cool spot. And I think they had about a 40, 50 bottle wine list when I started. In fact, the most expensive wine on the wine list was a 1994 Napa Valley Silver Oak Cab for like 55 bucks a bottle, so <laughs> which you won't see anymore anywhere else. And so I just immediately started <laughs> right. trying to read up on wine as much as I could because it's in my nature to want to uh, correctly and factually answer people. And so I immediately got into wine and reading about it and learning about it. Uh, fortunate enough to be taken under the wing from by. Uh, Tracy for a while and allowed to taste with her and Bear Dalton and uh, Jeb Stewart, who used to be over at Shade and Cultivari. And so I uh, uh, just one day uh, after a tasting, after I told Tracy she didn't know what she was talking about, she just turned the reins of the wine buying over to me. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's so interesting because you're not one of these sommeliers with like a whole bunch of pins or a fancy advance this, master that. I mean, you're you're sort of entirely self-taught. Is that correct? I mean, I, I mean, yeah, obviously I, well, when I began into wine, it was, it was the only way to learn was by tasting a lot and you could go to bookstores and libraries. I mean, the internet, uh, apps and access to information was pretty limited. So I was like subscribing to decanter and wine spectator and reading every wine book I could. I mean, I, I did start out with the court and I, I get, did get my certification, but it just didn't uh, jibe with what I was doing. It didn't seem to necessarily make me a better restaurant psalm. And I think back then the idea of like delaying so much of the things that I was doing that made us successful as restaurants and myself successful in order to earn a pin didn't feel worthwhile. And I'm not saying it's not and that there aren't fantastic master sommeliers, but it just, it wasn't that big a deal back then when I started as a sommelier. And it wasn't like this puncher ticket to a quick rise of celebrity. So to me, it wasn't it wasn't as beneficial as just doing my job. And, you know, the way the exam has evolved, it, it requires a lot of time to 
just study pure minutiae. And, and which is not to say I don't know a lot of uh, unnecessary facts about wine, but it just doesn't. Um, I would have to stop doing my job as effectively now to pass the exam. Well, and and I just I, I hate this word because it, it comes with all these expectations. But I'm, I'm a, as a journalist who didn't go to journalism school, I, you know, I, I think you can be sort of smart and diligent and focused and, and understand your subject without necessarily having a whole bunch of credentials. Yeah, I think there's a lot of different routes to it. And the way when and again, I, I love and count amongst my friends many very talented master sommeliers, uh, some of which who became masters after they worked uh, around me or called on me as wine reps and other things. But you know, it's not the only path to being very good at wine. I mean, maybe one of the most famous psalms in the U.S., Raj Parr, didn't get his uh, MS pin. Uh, Paul Greco, who was probably as influential as any psalm in getting people onto like, you know, these biodynamic and these obscure wines and these uh, natural wines. So there's there's just a lot of different routes to take. I just I always viewed it like this. If you're going to get a trial lawyer, you don't look for the one who simply graduated from Yale. You look for the one who has a proven track record of winning cases. That's right. Give me give me Racehorse Haynes or whatever the the 2020 equivalent of Racehorse Haynes is, I guess. Yes. So you've been with the company as, as Hugo has explored all these different Mexican restaurants, and, and that's led to a corresponding uh, interest for you in Mexican wine, spirits, and beers. So just tell me a little bit about that process and kind of how you immer- immersed yourself in, in that world. So, you know, when I was working at Backstreet, we began having conversations that we were going to design Hugo's. And so I was in on that from the ground floor. Obviously, at that time, I probably knew the least about Mexican food. But once I knew we were going to do it and he just began starting showing me stuff, I just fully immersed myself in the agave culture and uh, anything and everything I could find and tasting. And I also knew we were hoping to kind of change the idea of Mexican food in Houston. And that to me meant attacking it from the beverage program. Because back then it was almost all Tex-Mex or taquerias and it was all beer or margaritas, and, I'm, and a lot of it was frozen. And I'm like, well, that's not really what they do in Mexico. And I wanted to show that it could be a world-class cuisine, which meant we wanted to have complex cocktails, and we wanted to have a wine list. And so, you know, from day one, we, we wrote this kind of wine list, to, not just because I love wine, but because I wanted to elevate the prestige of Mexican food and kind of reshape the way people think about it. And what Hugo was doing. So, you know, that's how that began. And then, uh, you know, it was very successful over a decade of doing that. And then we began having conversations about doing caracols. So, I mean, at that point, I was much further along in my overall knowledge of Mexico. I had been there dozens of times and had traveled a lot. And so I got to, you know, take part in the design, build out the concept and everything we did for caracol. And uh, which was a, a whole new ball game with wine because it was coastal Mexican cuisine, which is a little bit more elegant and uh, brighter and refined, which meant it was an even more of a, of a wine opportunity. And I thought that restaurant, I still think that restaurant is, doesn't get maybe the credit it's due. The, the number of places around the country and in Houston in particular that copied elements of Caracol and what we ushered in cuisine-wise, wood grilling, wood-burning ovens for everything, uh, a, a heavy, heavy reliance on regional seafood 
You know, I, I've seen so many of our dishes <laughs> pop up all over the place. So I'm really proud of what we created there. And I still think it's a stunningly beautiful restaurant. I can't wait to reopen it back up uh, after the quarantine ends. And then we did a Sochi a few years ago, which was really uh, our chance to kind of deep dive into a place that Hugo and I first went to together like 18 years ago, which was Oaxaca. And, you know, that's that's kind of the inevitable thing. We'd went interior, we'd went exterior, and now is the time to go really deep into a region. And what better region than Oaxaca? Yeah, I, I will say Caracol is the restaurant, you know, our office is located near the Galleria. And so whenever we have colleagues visiting from out of town and it's like, well, you know, where can we go for lunch or where can we go for dinner at the end of a work day? It's like, let me... Let me show you something that you can't get in Austin or Dallas. And so inevitably we wind up at, at Caracol and it's, it's always to raves. I mean, I, so you, you may think that restaurant is, is underrated, but at least in, in my mind, it's, it's properly rated. I, I think Houstonians love it. I just meant that if we, if we were a city other than Houston that had Caracol, like if that was Miami or San Francisco or Chicago or New York, that restaurant would be so well-known nationally. We're just not quite the tourist destination that some of those other places are. Or heck, if we were in Austin, like the Austin South by Southwest writers and food writers would uh, would be trumpeting that restaurant to no end. But we, we've been very successful and we're very lucky about it. I just meant that it's, it's to me, it's a, a pretty brilliant thing we created. And, you know, uh, arrogance aside, I'm just very proud of that. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and the other thing about opening all these additional restaurants is you've really built yourself. I mean, you've had some really talented sommeliers work with you over the years. I mean, you, you've been a mentor for a whole bunch of people. Yeah, we, we've been so fortunate just in general to have talented people. I mean, all our general managers that who work for us now, uh, began with us as waiters and have risen up the ladder to become who they are. Our director of operations started out as a food runner. Uh, we've had bar professionals that have gone on to manage and have gone on to run other programs around the city. We've had great sommeliers like Angie Chang and Andres Blanco and Lindsay Huntsman and uh, several others that have worked for us that have done just uh, a great job. And I, I, I count as excellent wine ambassadors, just period, and, and really lovely people. All right, so let's let's talk about what you're doing right now during the coronavirus. I mean, you know, you have these four sort of high-end sit-down restaurants with elaborate beverage programs and and all of a sudden, you know, you can't do hardly any of that. So let me just let me just kind of take you through some of the from my perspective some of the things you're doing starting with um, moving to food like curbside to go. How's that been going? Kind of what's that been like for y'all? I mean, it's it's been an adjustment. I think any any full service restaurant has to change and reevaluate the way they're doing things because takeout is a totally different model, right? I mean, uh, things need to be able to travel better. You need to focus on things that uh, hold up well, but that still exemplify what you're doing. And you know, so we we had to redo our menus, and and then you're asking like you know chefs to produce things in an entirely different way. And uh, it's also very intense because a lot of these orders now come in a very short window. You ask any restaurant tour around Houston right now, and they'll tell you Fridays from like six to eight are very, very intense. And so you, uh, you definitely have to rethink the model for it. And so I think we've, we've done that pretty well. 
um, and still focused on what we're capable of doing. Obviously, we haven't been able to keep all the restaurants open. Both Sochi and Caracol are in part of town specifically affected by, you know, the quarantine and the shutdown of businesses and the shutdown of conventions and hotels. And so we've focused our energy on Hugo's and Backstreet. Right. And you've also, uh, obviously, you've also been a big proponent of selling wine to go. Uh, you're putting packages together for people. You're selling wine at a pretty serious discount. What has the response been like to that? And, and how do you feel like that's going? I mean, I, I think it's very good. I think, uh, I mean, I, I'll, 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 I would love to do even more and I, I will hopefully continue to do more. I think uh, me personally, it makes a lot of sense. We've always had a pretty diverse wine list, a very seasonally appropriate wine list. I taste anything and everything I can get my hands on the market. Most weeks I taste around 120 to 150 wines. So I'm really well versed at what's out there. And, you know, after 20 years of some, I... I am good with interacting with people. So I can have a text or an email or even a short phone conversation and really dial into what it is that people like to drink and want to drink. And I can tailor something to make them happy. And it doesn't have to be a hundred dollar bottle of wine. Sometimes it's like, look, you should try this $15 bottle of wine. And I, the stress of this all aside, I still love that. I love when I get to help somebody find a cool wine and, uh, you know, that was something that was harder and harder for me to do uh, before the corona, before this came along, because, you know, with as many restaurants as we had, I was shifting into more of a bureaucratic position. So I wasn't getting to walk the floors as much as I once did. So this kind of scratches that itch really nicely. And I think I've been able to put together some amazing things for people. Well, and, and telling people try this $15 bottle of wine makes it that much easier to come back to them at some point down the road and say, okay, now you got to try that $100 bottle or now it's time to splurge on that $200 bottle, I think. Oh, I think absolutely. I mean, the, I always, I never tried to cut too deep when I was a floor psalm because I was looking at it like, look, I want to see you again. I want to earn your trust. And, you know, after 20 years, I have a number of customers that they know I know their palate and where they're going. And so they'll just say, hey, pick me out something. And I get pretty good carte blanche on that. But even when I meet, you know, when I teach a wine class to consumers, my, my first piece of advice to them is that when you're going to buy wine, and I don't care if it's dealing with a sommelier like me on the floor or a steward or a bartender or a wine shop employee, if they don't at least ask you two or three questions before making a recommendation, just ignore them because they clearly don't care <laughs> who you are and what you feel and what you like. Yeah, they're just trying to earn some uh, sales incentive or whatever. Yeah. All right. And tell me about these. You, you started doing videos on Facebook that you're calling My Messy Seller. What uh, what inspired you to kind of feature an, a different wine every day? You know, I, I've always, I, there was a brief period a couple of years ago, I had this great idea where I would write up a wine every day for a whole year. And I think I made it about 50, 60 wines deep and just, I just got so busy and it, and uh, as you know, cause you've met me, I'm, I'm a little bit of an anal personality type. And so if you're going to put something out there, if you're going to write, it's kind of like you as a journalist, if you're going to write something or report something, I like it to be exceedingly accurate. And so I was spending a lot of time double checking everything, crossing my T's, dotting my I's. And so the video thing, uh, allows me to be a little more off the cuff. And I, I know a lot of these wines really well, and it just was a way to 
I don't know, just to, to burn off some of the pent up energy I had and also kind of celebrate uh, the wine producers I love because it's not just restaurants and sommeliers that are hurting. It's winemakers, wine growers, wine distributors, wine importers, wine sales reps. And so anything you can do to remind people that these wines are out there and that they can get them and that there's still fantastic stuff out there is good because, you know, you don't want to be forgotten. And, and if I can keep these wines and these people from being forgotten in any way, shape or form, I'm really happy to do that. You did a guest video a couple of days ago with Jack Mason from Pappas Brothers, uh, who's also been a guest on this show. I should point that out, I suppose. Uh, do you have other sommeliers that are like pinging you like, when, when can I get in your messy cellar? When can I talk about a wine? There are several, yeah, they're lined up. And so I'll, I'm going to start spreading my work out and get a few of them in there on guest appearances. So uh, we've been doing this thing where I've been uh, trying to feed the sommelier community at least once a week because uh, we do a big wine event, as you know, I put on called Iron Sommelier. And so a lot of those sommeliers are out of work right now. And so once a week, we've been uh, putting together family meals for, for them and their spouses and their kids. And it's been uh, a chance for me to say, hey, can you pop in and do a cellar while we're, we're doing the, getting your order ready? And so uh, they've been gracious and kind enough to, uh, to, to do that, even though I, I would never require them to sing for their supper. They're just their fellow wine peeps. And they like Jack. I mean, they love talking about wine. And so uh, it's nice to also give them an avenue to do something that they love. Yeah, you guys have also been a big part of Houston Shift Meal feeding hospitality workers at least a couple times a week. How's that going? That was great. I mean, uh, between Hugo's and Baxter, we probably do it about five times a week. I just dropped off um, some smoked fish uh, chowder uh, that they're going to give out today. It was made with red snapper. To me, it's a chance for us to put on our thinking cap. I mean, uh, hey, I applaud all the places that are feeding our workers around the city. But I also think, you know, we have an obligation to feed them well. Uh, it doesn't necessarily have to be expensively, but feed them well, which means we should be thinking beyond burgers and pizza and creative ways that we can still get them sustenance and flavor and joy. And so, you know, it's not something we do as a moneymaker. It's something we do just to support our community and at the same time gives us a chance to be creative and show the hospitality that so many of them have showed us over the years. Well, no, I look at those meals, you know, they filter across my Facebook feed or whatever. And I, I think, you know, I'd, I, I'm a little disappointed. I'm, I'm almost disappointed to have a job. It's like, I would, I would pay for that deal. <laughs> like, you know, they look good. Yeah. I was just talking to one of my chefs today and I was thinking about doing like some of them for, for consumers coming at a reduced price, but where we, we maybe add in a dollar or two that then goes right back to feeding more shift meals. Cause uh, you know, if we get a really popular day, we're, we're, we're set to do a certain number, but uh, we'll often go over it and I'll either I'll contribute it or if I've been, you know, Venmo to tip money for something I've done for somebody, then it just goes right into the, to the pot to kind of contribute back to the, uh, to the meals for people. Yeah. Charge me 10, 12 bucks for it, you know, kick the, you know, cover your costs, kick the rest to the next meal or whatever. Like I, as a consumer, I would be, I'd be very into that. Yeah. That, that's just something fun. And like I said, when you're, uh, every day we kind of figure out a, a new way to kind of approach this and look at this. And I think, uh, both here at Hugo's and Backstreet, we, we've been, uh, lucky that we have a lot of talented people that work for us. And so once you get past the, the shock of this all and the stress of it all, you, you kind of get back to using that, you know, really, 
wonderfully trained brain that has been living in restaurants for most of its life and, and you figure out ways to be creative and thoughtful and still execute. Yeah, so the other the other thing you do that I really enjoy kind of uh, observing is that you are not afraid to mix it up with people on Facebook. You are you are not afraid to tell people when they have like terrible taste in tequila <laughs> or like stop ordering from horrible chain restaurants or I mean you are you are feisty, my friend. You uh, you're not afraid to speak your mind. I'm not mean, but I, I will say, like you know, at some point you have to call a spade a spade, right? And like, if you say you love Houston and you're on a message board that celebrates Houston institutions, and every time you're touting snooze, I think you should look at yourself. I think you should say, <laughs> do you really want our city to be a place that is nothing but Starbucks and snooze and you know, Austin taco chain, this, and, you know, I'm in this industry. I've been in this industry for 22 years. I want to celebrate the places and the people that make it special. And so, you know, I will occasionally politely, politely, but remind them that like, you can go beyond the blase and and do more good by supporting the community. And I, I think it's the same thing with wine and spirits. And it would always be hypocritical of me if I just told people, oh yeah, yeah, go ahead and drink Camus every time. Oh yeah, go ahead and drink Cuervo every time. I'm like, well, I, I have spent 20 years researching this and 20 years making connections to people on this. And like, I see you bought some local vegetables in your basket, but maybe you could also try and use the same approach to wine or spirits or restaurants. Because it doesn't make sense to me that you would frequent a farmer's market and then fre frequent Starbucks. Right. Yeah. You know, mix your, you know, your, and, and it's not even like you're advocating for one local coffee shop or another. It's like, go to Blacksmith, go to Southside, go to Catalina, go to Boomtown. Like, just doesn't, doesn't really matter which one. Like, just mix it up a little bit. Yeah, I think it just, it makes, like, we, we tout all the time about how Houston is wonderful, and it is totally wonderful the sheer diversity of our city is so amazing and you don't really appreciate it until you travel. And that's true about our dining and our culinary and our bar and our, you know, wine scene. And so I want to keep that diversity alive. Absolutely. So, uh, the other thing I want to ask you, you know, have you started to think about kind of what life will be like when things can get back to normal? I mean, do you have a, do you have plans? Like personal plans or you mean like professional plans? For no, I mean like professional plans. I mean, we're, we're having talks about that every day. We just, it's almost like you're plotting out an imaginary course because you're still waiting on more information. And so, you know, I, I think reality wise, everything's going to have to get tighter after this. I think menus will get smaller. Uh, I think wine lists will probably get tighter. I think what we can execute will have to be more streamlined, at least in the immediate aftermath. Because uh, again, not everyone's going to suddenly go back out at once. And there are real ramifications to this. And so you're going to have to be 10 times more thoughtful in the aftermath, I think, of this if you want to long-term be successful. And so it... Uh, it requires you to think a lot. <laughs> so, I mean, that's that's what I spend a lot of my days doing. I think about what we're doing today and what we're going to do tomorrow and what we're going to do two months from now. So, And then uh, I, I'd feel like I'm, I'd be missing an opportunity if I didn't ask you about the uh, the restaurant you guys are opening in Uptown Park. I don't know if you have any uh, details you'd care to share about that. 
can't really talk about it yet. Uh, obviously, uh, it's it's something we've been working on for a while. Uh, and, you know, we'd love to share the details of it. But you, you've known us over the years. We tend to keep things pretty tight to the vest. And so we didn't really share anything about Caracol until right before we opened. And uh, you were there. I think you were there in Sochi, like maybe two weeks right before we opened. And that was your first introduction to what we were doing there. So. Uh, which I'm sure we will do again. We will have you in uh, early so you get to see it. But uh, that's just kind of one of our MOs. And so Tracy, you know, our, our fearless leader, and Hugo are very thoughtful about everything. And so we we tend to want to be thoughtful. And, you know, I'll just say we, we think we're adding something new to Houston. We think we're adding something fun to Houston. Um, we think we're adding something more approachable to Houston. So. Well, I, I didn't really expect you to spill all the beans, but I just, you know, I feel like as, as long as I had you on the on the line, I had to try. No, no, I, I appreciate it. Uh, yeah. After 20 years working for Tracy, though, she, she's coached me well. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I mean, I that brings me to sort of the end of the things I wanted to discuss with you, unless there is something that you would like to mention. You know, we, uh, I, I didn't really talk about much of Hugo's. We obviously are doing wine takeout there. And we've, uh, we've done some really good things with uh, cocktail kits. And in this coming week, I'm going to be introducing even more. We've so far focused on just producing a really good at-home easy margarita and a mezcal rendition as well. But we're also going to be doing, you know, we do Great Bloody Marys. I have a few other things on the horizon that I'm working on. Uh, going to do a unique Paloma for take home and maybe, maybe, a, a, a mezcal old fashioned, a couple other things, but you know, it, it, I feel for all the bars that are, uh, that are closed right now because man, I, I do miss making cocktails for people so much. I love wine, but there's a, a creativity and an immediacy when you serve someone a cocktail. And so We've been trying to do that in, in, in ways that are allowed by the TBC for Hugo's and a little bit of Backstreet. And so uh, that's definitely something I'm going to be working on in the very near future. Yeah, I've been, I've been making sort of poor man's ranch waters, you know, uh, take the Topo Chico, sip a little down, replace with tequila and squeeze a little lime in it. Which is, which is a great drink. I mean, it's, it, it hits the spot. Topo is always wonderful with tequila. Uh, if you can find it, El Tesoro tequila is amazing in a ranch water. That's probably my favorite tequila in Mexico. Uh, I'm dying to share with people my single barrels that I'm sitting on of it, but we can't do that until, uh, you know, after the quarantine or, or unless TABC decides to change the laws a little bit more. <laughs> yeah. You don't want to be one of those people that's selling, you know, pre-mixed frozen margaritas in, in gallon jugs. Well, you know, that's that's one of those things, like I said, uh, I understand people and places trying to survive right now. Uh, a lot of places, though, are just flagrantly breaking the law. But that's their business. We will not do that. We can't do that. Uh, but, yeah, I, I would just say this. Uh, if someone's offering you a $50 and under gallon of margarita, you should push yourself away and leave as quickly as possible because there's nothing good in that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's got to that has got to mean that their cost on the tequila on a gallon of tequila is about ten or fifteen bucks. That's that's not a good sign. That's not good eats, as Alton Brown would say. No, there's no good lime juice in there. There's no quality ingredients in there whatsoever. There's a, a lot of circumspect on that. All right. Well, before I let you go, we have to do uh, we have to do what we call the lightning round: five easy sure. questions, five short answers. Just say the first thing that comes to mind, Sean Beck. Since you're a sommelier, what is your favorite varietal? 
Riesling. All right, very good. What is the first band you ever saw in concert? Oh, Harry Chapin. Car- well, he's not a band, but Harry Chapin Carpenter. Yeah, performer. Yeah. yeah. All right. What is your fast food guilty pleasure? It has to come from a restaurant with a drive-through. I-, I will say this: it's got to be Waterburger, but only between like 11 p.m. and 3 a.m. in the morning, because those are the hours that you would leave an inventory or a long day, and it just hits the spot at the time of day. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Who is your favorite Houston sports figure, past or present? Oh, uh, Hakeem Olajuwon. And then when you go to a pizzeria for the first time, what are your go-to toppings? I think it's still just pepperoni and, and olives. I mean, it just I just like the classic. All right. Uh, tell people how to follow you on, on your various social media platforms. So if you need some feistiness in your life and and an opinionated sommelier, you can follow me on Instagram at Sean Pores. You can find me on Facebook under Sean Beck. And you can email me at Sean at HTownRestaurantGroup.com. I'm always happy to answer questions and help with wine recommendations, whether you're getting them from me or just looking for them out in the open market. All right. Sean, thanks so much. Always a pleasure, Eric. Thank you for shouting out to the Houston food and wine scene. We appreciate all you do. Thank you. Anytime, sir. You can follow me on Instagram at Eric Sandler. Keep it locked on culturemap.com for all the latest Houston bar and restaurant news. Thanks so much for listening. I'll be back next week.